If you spent any time with the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and have become familiar with some of the, the key characters, the, the reoccurring people uh, that come up again and again in the Gospels, you probably have an impression of some of them. For instance, if I would say Peter, you probably would have a, a pretty good impression of him. If I would say Judas, you would probably say bad. If I would say Paul, you would say good. And I bet as I, as I read today's gospel, you had an impression formed about the Pharisee and the tax collector, maybe even before I finished reading the lesson. And I bet it went something like this. Pharisee, bad. Tax collector, good. Right? And maybe that's uh, your and, and my opinion of Pharisees in general, because in general they're portrayed as, as pretty, uh, pretty bad. Right? After all, just listen to the words of this Pharisee. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. Just hearing that makes you want to have nothing to do with the guy, right? This was a guy that had a very, very high opinion of himself. But our epistle lesson flips the situation, and it's very unexpected. Because in our epistle, there's another Pharisee with a very different outlook on himself. And that Pharisee was the Apostle Paul. We know Paul was a Pharisee from Acts 23, 26, and Philippians 3. Wait a minute, Paul was a Pharisee? Yes. Now that you know that, does that change your outlook on him? Well, this was Paul's outlook on himself. He said, I am the least of the apostles, whom not worthy to be called an apostle. Two Pharisees with very different outlooks on themselves. One considered himself righteous or a saint. The other said he was the least of the apostles and the chief of sinners. So what is your outlook on yourself? Do you think of yourself more like the Pharisee in our gospel lesson or our second Pharisee, the Apostle Paul? Do you think of yourself as a saint or a sinner? Just a moment ago, I said that in, in reading about and hearing about the Pharisee in our gospel lesson, it probably makes us want nothing to do with the guy, right? I know that disguised my gut reaction, and maybe it does yours too. But just think now, that's exactly what the Pharisee thought about the tax collector. He wanted nothing to do with the guy because of what he did. We are classic Pharisees. Pharisees probably when we least expect it or realize it. So what's the difference between these two Pharisees? Why was Paul good and the other bad? I sometimes like to do this little theological thought experiment. I, uh, I'm talking with someone and I, I start with a, a, a sin that seems pretty, pretty minor. And I ask them, could someone go to heaven, for instance, if they stole a pencil? Usually the answer is, well, yeah, of course. 
And then I, then I up it. Could someone go to heaven if they steal a car? Could someone go to heaven if they steal a person? If they abused a person? If they killed a person? If they murdered hundreds of people? And usually at some point along the line, the person will draw the line and say, well, no, they can't go to heaven. And usually, conveniently, that line ends up being drawn right about where they are in their personal life of sanctification. But consider Paul. Paul was a murderer. We would even consider him today a mass murderer. Uh, Paul and other Roman guards would break into churches and, and kill every Christian that was worshiping there. Think of the tax collector. The tax collector was known for perpetually stealing. Uh, they were known for cheating people out of their money. Now consider the other Pharisee. He did everything that people would consider good. He was an all-around good person. So what's the difference then between Paul and this other Pharisee? Well, one of them believed their righteous acts got them to heaven. The other repented of all their unrighteousness. One of them looked to their own works to justify themselves. The other looked to Christ. Paul said to the Corinthians that it is the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received in which you stand, by which also you are saved. It's not because of how good or bad you are that you're saved. You are saved if you trust the gospel. Paul said, For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Paul had many other things to tell the Corinthians. The Corinthians, after all, were sinners. Uh, in fact, they were a pretty bad uh, congregation. But nothing was more important than the gospel. Nothing the Corinthians did or didn't do was as important as this. Nothing was more important than what Christ did for them. This is always true. It's true for you and it's true for me. Nothing you or I do or ever will do is, is as important as what Christ has done. And this is the gospel. The gospel predominates Christian teaching because it's all about Christ. You know, some people think Lutheran preaching is boring because it's, it's all the same. Every week we hear about Jesus. Every week we hear that Jesus died for our sins. And yet it should be this way. It should be the same and it should be all about Christ. And once you realize how much of a sinner you are, the preaching of Christ is the most refreshing, most comforting, and most exciting message that you will ever hear. Paul writes, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. These words form the basis to what we confessed earlier in the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed summarizes the, the teaching of the Apostles in the early Christian church. 
and it summarizes our belief. It means that Christ suffered and died and was buried so that he might make satisfaction, that he might pay for my sins, for the debt that I owed. And we owed a lot. We, like the tax collector in our gospel lesson, have cheated, we've stolen, we've lied, we've abused, and we are in debt not only uh, to everyone that we've trespassed against, we are in debt to God. We, like the Pharisee, have held ourselves in too high of regard. We've compared ourselves to others. We've judged them and we found their faults. And we are like the Apostle Paul. We've blasphemed, we've cursed, uh, we've deceived, we've despised God's word, we've murdered others with our hateful thoughts because whoever hates another is a murderer. We are the worst of sinners. And yet Christ, Christ can forgive me? Yes. Christ has and he did. He did it by dying on the cross and he proved it by rising again. In fact, he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained of the present but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by Cephas, then by all the apostles. And then Paul says, last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. That phrase, born out of due time, it's interesting. In Greek, it's a medical term or medical phrase that means a premature birth. And this was probably a derogatory term lobbied against Paul by his opponents in Corinth. Because there were people there in Corinth that didn't think Paul had the authority or the right to be an apostle because of what he did, uh, because of what he did do, namely persecuting the church of God, and what he didn't do, namely that he didn't follow Jesus from the beginning like the other apostles. And so, so they called him premature. But now, Paul purposely uses this term to humble himself. He calls himself premature. He may have been premature or born out of due time. He may not have the experience of, of Peter or the other 12 disciples. But Paul wasn't saved because of what he did or didn't do. He wasn't saved because of his experience or, or how much he had accomplished. He wasn't even an apostle because of that. He was called as, as an apostle and was saved because of Jesus. And that's the gospel. The fact that Paul, who had literally killed Christians, had been brought to faith and was forgiven was evidence of God's grace, God's amazing grace in Christ. Paul said, For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Paul's last phrase there gives us an explanation as to how we should live our lives. How we should view ourselves knowing that we have been saved by Christ. The good works that we do. That's not by our own strength. 
No matter how hard we work, even if we labor more than anyone else in the world, the good works that we do are done by the grace of God within us. The gospel doesn't mean that we keep on sinning. Rather, the gospel means that we repent of our sins and we do good works, we do labor, trusting that we can't take credit for even that. Even repentance is an act of the Holy Spirit within us. We are forgiven because of Jesus. We are what we are by the grace of God. So what is your outlook on yourself? Think of this, this Labor Day weekend. Are you a saint who will be saved because of who you are and the labor that you do? Or are you a sinner who has been made a saint because of God's grace in what Christ has done? You are what you are by God and his grace toward you. You and I, the worst of sinners, have been made saints. We are what we are because of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen. Please stand.